0: Love Pope Radio. Well, there's
1: supposed to be music playing now. Hi everybody. This is uh, Candy and Company, and you're actually supposed to be hearing uh under pressure by David Bowie, but uh here we go. Yes.
2: It's a long way from city. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was
1: under pressure. So the big question here is, is, is Freddie and David like jamming in heaven right now, or whatever plane they're on? That's my big question. Hey, everybody, and welcome to um, Candy and Company. Sorry for the thing there. Apparently, blog talk is about a minute behind playing what they're supposed to. So as we slip into time and space, I want to welcome you to the show. And here is my wonderful co-host, Joe Minetti.
0: Hey, everybody.
1: And, of course, our very special rock star guest, Andrew Brewer. We're so excited to have you on the show.
2: Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited that you're excited. And, you know, the thing, as we talked about, the blog talk woman is kind of has a passive-aggressive kind of thing, and I think she purposely did that because I called her out on her thing. And, uh, secondly, if the music had to come from a long way like another world, it would make sense that it had a few seconds delay.
1: Oh, you know what? That's, that makes perfect sense. And actually, we're going to kind of get into that about David Bowie here in just a minute, but my first question is I want to talk just a little bit about um, his latest album, which was released on his 69th birthday, Black Star. If you watch that video in the Lazarus video, my question is, did David indeed set up a goodbye for us?
2: I mean, I think that video is amazing. And the thing that really strikes me about that the most, and and I imagine that this album will be like uh, an academic, you know, critical thing. There will be a lot of people who make their careers out of of analyzing this album. Um, Right. You know, when when you look at what he was trying to write, you know, and he would get his ideas, and he was like in a hurry, and then it just drifted off the page. I found that fascinating because it's so common for great artists to be in the midst of their kind of like magnum opus and be afraid that they're going to die. I mean, this is a theme that comes up over and over and over throughout history. And, you know, when he goes back into the cabinet, and I mean, the the metaphors with this, when you think about it in the context of someone, you know, kind of a life or death kind of issue and, you know, with the... Even the the buttons on his eyes, and you know, I mean, that's a traditional thing yeah. to death. I mean, it's it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. He's such a genius and su- such an envelope pusher, and um, but I mean, it, it's an amazing thing. And you know, Lazarus, and you know, raising from the dead. And, I mean, even the the you know the 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 context, the mythology, or the, the historical context of, of Lazarus, and I mean, it, it's amazing. I mean, it's truly amazing. Um, but, but I think that, I, I think there was a very conscious, um, I mean, he had been into Gnosticism and all sorts of things, even when he was young, you know, back when he, even before Ziggy Stardust and all that back in the early seventies. So, so he's had these motifs in his head, I think for a long time. And he's very conscious or seemed to me to be very conscious of this duality, life and death and art and. You know, I mean, it, it's an amazing, an amazing artist, a transcendent artist. But yeah, that, that video is off the hook, no doubt.
1: Yeah, I really, and, you know, I really like it.
0: Yes, and I, I, the thing about David Bowie that, that struck me, he, he expects, he, first and foremost, he was a performer and he expressed everything through his art. And I think that even as he knew he was, I think he did realize he was reaching the end he made his 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 departure or well for him you know the next phase, a work of art as well he was through his his last launch and he made even his his physical departure a work of art with what he did it's just it's amazing
1: yeah i think I he's mean,
2: pretty you, much been um go ahead i mean when you think about artists who who really put their connection to their art in a lot of respects ahead of their life. And, you know, it was interesting because I, after he died, you know, I watched a video with him and Amon, his wife, and he talked about how happy he had been in this marriage. So marriage, you know, two celebrities that went for a long, long time. and 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 he said how much he... Enjoyed being married and how much he loved his wife, and that if there was a question of his career or his marriage, there would be no question to him. He would he would pick his marriage, which makes it even more interesting to me. I think that in his his sort of last days, he's still so focused on creating this this um, you know this album and and these videos. I mean, it's it's it, the duality to it is, is what's so compelling. And, and David Bowie always reinvented himself. I mean, you can look at a lot of artists, Madonna. You know, a lot yeah, of people absolutely. who have have utilized his his uh, sort of template. I mean, he he went from so many different incarnations, and then became the the major pop star in the 80s. And you know, I mean, he's just been every flavor there is. And um, it's fascinating when you look at the longevity of his career and the, and the ways in which he has. Uh, been a force under so many different, uh, basically incarnations. I mean, he lived and died as, you know, Ziggy Sardust. There's a, a really amazing movie called Velvet Goldmine, if you all haven't seen that, about the Glam mm-hmm. period. And right. Brian's blade is basically David Bowie, right? So, and he's killed on stage, and he reinvents himself as a sort of bland pop star well, that's metaphorically what happened with Ziggy Stardust, and he became David Bell in the 80s and did less Dance, and, you know, he you know, becomes, like, it's different. I mean, it's just everything is, every every album is, like, a whole new world. It's very interesting, I think.
0: And that was yeah, amazing. He when he, Go ahead. It was just amazing that he, 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 he zoomed to fame with Ziggy Stardust, and then the incredible move to to kill him off, so to speak, and recreate himself again—it was, it was astonishing. He really was influenced, I think, by uh, in 1967 um, when he met the dancer uh, Lindsay Kemp, and he got into performance art and, and, and the London uh, Dance Center. That really, I think, heavily influenced his his focusing on imagery. And incorporating that the whole the whole glam rock thing and everything that he did with image changing, I think it had a profound influence on him on his consciousness of the importance of image artistically, and um, he was he just seemed to constantly be reinventing himself. And I think kind of this this last phase this last transformation was part of I I just get this feeling that was part of his sense of immortality that you never really die off you just become uh, something new.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that goes very much right. in, you know, I mean, Candy's familiar with my work with reincarnation, and, you know, and if there is something that reincarnates, there has to be some vehicle for for transmission. And it has, To me, it's an emotional style. there's sort of an emotional template. Yeah, I mean, you know, back in the 60s when he was doing that, though, you know, he was doing mime, and he was studying to be a mime, right? So he was yep. doing things where he was using yep. mime and, and all these, you know, sort of commedia dell'arte and a lot of different things, you know, yep. different... Uh, you know, formal components and he was doing experimental films and he made an album that really didn't get much attention and, and, uh, right. you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, he's just, he's just fascinating in every way. Um, yeah, I, mean, I want just I mean, put it, but yeah, his
1: first album, uh, the man who sold the world, of course, gave us life on Mars. And I think he started not only the character, but the song, I think those were two of the bigger hits off of the album. Um, uh-huh. You know, when we talk about Ziggy Stardust, the thing, one of the makeup aspects of Ziggy Stardust was the gold circle about where the third eye is. You know, do you think that that was intentional or accidental?
2: I mean, I think everything that he did was intentional. I I don't believe that there was any accidents, you know. I mean, I think that he was very conscious of the symbology of what he was doing. I mean, I mean, I guess all artists, especially someone that is creating at such a rapid pace and doing something different pretty much every time. Stylistically, he was influenced by, you know, this uh, electro stuff in Berlin in the 70s and, and a lot of things that, you know, other, mm-hmm. you know, we hear things and he's had and transmute them. But but he had talked about, you know, Gnosticism and occult themes and Crowley and all sorts of things uh, early on. And I think that those, right. those themes are uh, certainly a way for him. I mean, I've always said that, you know, great artists are all this, you know, go, creative artists at a high level go to the same place, whether they bring back a song or a film or a, a psychic, you bring back a prediction, you bring back a business plan or a cure for cancer, whatever. Creative people go to a transcendent kind of space and they have their own way, you know, they're when they go into the cavern they bring back something related to what they do. But but that trip, that creative trip that he had to be on, you know, I mean a lot of that is third eye kind of stuff. I mean it's it's a it's a connection to um some ethereal kind of space and you have to align with it. You mean you have to kind of give into it and then it finds you. You I mean, that's how I see it. I mean, that's my opinion about it. But I think David Bowie, again, do we know this? I mean, everything's a speculation. That's the beauty of it. And he will be someone that has a lot of speculation about what he did and what he knew and when he knew it. But I, but I think the third eye, you know, stuff is conscious to me. And, again, it's a guess. But that's my opinion.
1: No, I would think so because, yeah, he was, he was kind of existentialist in some ways. He really... He was very open-minded about many things.
0: And he really, the the core that I saw throughout his ever-changing personas and throughout his work, throughout his career, was that he really proudly and bravely and consistently stood on the outside, whether it was an incarnation of an alien or somebody who was marching to his own drummer that... Uh, challenged you know, sexuality, uh, whether it was the androgynous that Stardust, anything he did, he probably took a stance where it's okay to be on the outside of the mainstream and to find your own path as, as the alien, as the outsider, which was just such an amazing thing for people who felt at that time, who were going through all those uh, the, the, the rights revolution, the civil rights in the early 70s, uh, he really was, through his art, I mean, first and foremost, he was an artist and a performer. He, he, never, uh, he never liked to wave banners uh, other than doing it through his art. But he did it very profoundly through his art and stood as a leader in that sense, I think, to a lot of people who were also challenging uh, the norms and the system at the time.
2: Well, I mean, he's yeah, think- a risk taker I mean, and, uh, and a rule breaker. And um, there's just so much happening with him.
1: Yeah, I I think, Ziggy, uh, well, David, I think, I've been reading a lot about his personal life, and from what I understand, he was extremely charismatic. Uh, You know, they go on to say that he could pretty much seduce anybody, man, woman, whoever he wanted to at the time, and I think that in a lot of ways he did that to us with his music. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he pulled us in with his artistic creativity. He pulled us in with his charisma. And I think that him being ever-changing was was like his sexuality in some ways. He was very fluid. Um, he was more not as fluid, of course, after he married Amon because he was totally committed to her. Um, but I think that his creativity really gave birth to a lot of things. I mean, it helped. Um, he was the first out artist, he, you know, came out with a Ziggy and the an androgyny. I just think that he was a leader in so many aspects that maybe people don't even realize that he was.
2: Yeah, and the other thing, too, when MTV first popped on the scene in the early 80s, there's a famous interview that he did where he asked them, why are there no black artists on your shows? Yeah. You know, why are you yeah. only doing, you know, like, hip-hop stuff at four in the morning or whatever? Uh all these amazing artists who are not, you know, Duran Duran or whoever you have on right now, why are you not playing them? I mean, so he's making these kinds of statements. You know, he made it. I mean, you could say, in a lot of respects, that he did as much for bringing gay and transgender culture to the forefront as anybody. You know, with with what yeah. he did in the '70s. So.
0: And challenging us to to accept diversity and value it as opposed to uh, mainstream. Uh, he really, what strikes me about him was that you look at his background and the studies. You know, you 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 referred to it earlier, Andrew. I mean, he he really did study his craft as an artist. He really took his art seriously, and he used that to embrace the beauty of diversity through art. And that's that's the, the the running theme that I see through everything that he does, uh, but he didn't he, he he didn't do it. He took risks. I wouldn't use the word that he did it uh, recklessly. I, he he did it with he did it with substance. The work the body of his work has tremendous substance to me uh, that shows somebody who really did research what he was doing. Who really did understand all the aspects and nuances of, of art, mime, dance. Uh, image, the imagery that he used. It, 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 he was really profoundly uh, committed to, to work as an artist. Yeah. Yeah, great. I mean,
2: I think. I agree, without a doubt.
1: You know, I and think sometimes we forget, too, that not only was he a great solo artist, but he did some really awesome work with people. You know, he worked. He did some stuff with the Rolling Stones for a while, but you know he also, under pressure, was with Queen. And then we have Fame with uh, John Lennon. Right. And apparently uh, John Lennon had plans to go see David Bowie uh, on tour, but was assassinated before he actually got to go to the concert. Oh. And I know that... Um, I've really kind of been out on the limb as far as yoga is concerned. Of course, I'm an outside person. I don't know her as a person, so all I know about her is the persona that we all see. Um, but what really changed my opinion and my heart towards her was the very heartfelt things that she said about David and the fact that she said he was one of our only friends because she was so ostracized by everyone. Um, when the Beatles broke up, everybody blamed her, and I think that she was really you know, ostracized in... Um, David was very kind to her, so you know the words that she gave back to him were just such a tribute of who he was as a
2: person. Mm. It's
0: uh, that 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 really is significant to me because the the impression I have of David too and David Bowie was someone who traveled the, the road less traveled very much on his own, but there, there's Moments like that that you're talking about, where his loyalty to the people that he was loyal to, it was profound. I, I, I do. When you look at his career, though, it looks like a career where he made decisions and he made moves that it was a, a very singular, very uh, a road that he traveled very much by himself a good deal of the time, except a very a very close inner circle of people that he had around him that he trusted. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think that um, you know he gave. He rebirthed himself in a lot of efforts, but I think that he became a completely different person in, in his personal life when he met Amon. So it's almost like he lived two lives in this one life because he had all this, you know, wild fun, and he was very fluid, and he had other things, and then he and then he met and fell in love with Amon, and it was like she said that he became this completely romantic um besotted person, because they'd met once, went out on a date, she went to go do a modeling shoot, and when she came back, there he stood, photographers he didn't care, with flowers waiting for her to come off the plane.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) So it's like he had his own revolution of the heart when he met her.
0: Andrew, um... I'm sorry, go ahead. There's a romantic side to, and a, a sensual and a, a side to everything he does uh, on top of everything else that he, he brought to the forefront so beautifully.
2: Well, again, I think it's amazing yeah. that he had this relationship with her that was so powerful and mm. lasted so long. They had a child together. These are both very famous people, both incredibly stylish people, a very beautiful couple, Uh And, you know, again, he said, if it came down to my career or my marriage, this is a man that was so prolific in his career that he would have given that all up in order to hang out with his wife. You know, so again, this is a man that didn't just come in, just create albums all day. I mean, he was doing things. He was experiencing things. and, And that experience impacts the ways in which he creates his art both as a musician, both as a a visual artist, you know, certainly Mm -hmm. in the ways in which he created videos. His videos were incredibly innovative. You know, I don't know how much input he had into those, but I'm assuming quite a bit. Uh, And yet, and the way that other artists, I mean, we look at, like Scott Weiland, who recently passed, uh, talks Mm -hmm. about the influence he had. Madonna just, you know, had this big, like, teary thing about him, when he died, and you know she's got this rebel heart thing, and you know she says that the original one is is David, and I mean yes, a, Iggy Pop. I mean, I mean Iggy Pop is another person. I mean, we can make a list of how I mean hundreds of people. Trent Reznor talks about him as a father figure. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. He, and Flash-shell so yes, story of,
1: mo- of David and his mom. Yes, <laughs> I mean he he touched everybody in in some different way, which I think is amazing. He wasn't afraid to live his life in private and in public
0: Well, yeah. Why? <laughs> Even during his school days, the stories were that he was uh, noted for his incredible artistic ability uh, when, when, uh, um, as a dancer They noticed early and, and he began singing. He was also known for very being very defiant and getting into brawls Consistently, you know, he never shied away from from striking up a fight when he when the the moment came. girls. Uh, uh, at-
1: yes, uh
0: huh. <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely a fighter in his own way, and through his art that comes through too. But he 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 never shied away from standing up for what he believed in, and I think he, he- right.
1: And, and that's actually you know people think that he has two different color eyes, when in fact it was an injury right. when he was fourteen and got in a fight with his best friend. Yes. He got punched in the eye, so his eye was permanently dilated, which is right. what makes it look like there's two different colors.
0: Never healed correctly, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know that he would have been Bowie without it. I mean, that just lent to his uniqueness.
2: Hmm. I mean, it's also interesting from a metaphorical standpoint, when you think about there's an injury to his vision, you know what I mean? Yeah, he, he there's a compensatory action of that, right? So he has this funky thing with his eye, he gets hurt, but yet it becomes a defining characteristic of him. His his ability to see is impaired, yet we think of him as someone who has tremendous artistic vision who's transcended and his last album we think of he's like talking from beyond the grave, right? right. You know, I'm but heaven, yeah. you know. I mean the the I mean that's a powerful thing, you know. This is a man that just died, and watching this video, and I'm in heaven. I'm like, whoa, dude! This is, this is awesome. This, this is really amazing. So. So, um So, um,
1: is David a- around? With, would he come through, maybe? And and
2: well, I mean, I'm do? not going to try to channel. I'm not going to try to channel David Bowie. I mean, that's in a lot of ways kind of disrespectful <laughs> to David Bowie. I think. But, um,
1: well, I I had to ask.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, all of us. You know, I, I have an appreciation for him as as an artist. I have an appreciation for him as a, kind of an exemplary human, as someone who really tried to be transcendent in all things, who, who right. I mean, was super famous, yet he didn't go, ab- and, you know, he writes, you know, his song Fame and all this stuff, but yet he, in his personal life, he didn't go about he wasn't kind of a fame whore. He kind of did his thing, and he showed up, and did his work, and then he went home, right? Which is again kind of yep. ironic when you think about the ways in which he operates. You know, so again, kind of fascinating. I think um, he, he's not gonna he's not gonna be one that uh, is easily forgotten. And you know, and I've written when he died that you know if I try to go back and audit all the people that I've listened to over the years, I would say that David Bowie is probably the number one artist over 40-some years uh, of the people that I've played the most, you know. So, you know, that's intense, you know. That's, that's a big deal. And, on, and I'm sure that a lot of other people say the same thing.
0: And on top of his work as a musician, I mean, I, I'm equally impressed by his work as an actor.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, he has a really amazing yeah. body work as an actor.
0: In film and on Broadway, in The Elephant Man on Broadway, uh, these incredible, independent, counterculture films, The Man Who Fell to Earth, Um, The Hunger. I remember him in The Hunger, playing the vampire with Catherine Deneuve. uh, Just incredible work, uh, consistently, consistently. The top of... I, I thought his performances were amazing. And his choices, too. Always, Even in film with acting and on stage... He played people, uh, characters, who uh, were either aliens or people who were grappling with being on the outside, who, but they were also as very charismatic, very powerful figures that, that drew our attention, despite the fact that, paradoxically, there were also people that were shunned and that were on the outside that were not allowed to be a part of the, the main culture. It, it's a consistent theme throughout everything he does. And I think that's what makes him really immortal. Uh, he he played, there's always that quality of I'm from another place, everything that he does.
2: Um, well, I mean, I, there's a generation of people, like I just talked to a woman not too long ago, a couple of days ago, who didn't really, wasn't familiar with his work as a musician, but knew him from Labyrinth, right? She'd probably seen him <laughs> when she was a little girl, right? So her yeah. experience <laughs> of David Bowie was with him being in Labyrinth. She didn't know he was a musician prior to the Man on the Moon, which is, again, like fascinating to me so so he's he's hitting people on all cylinders, and again, when we look at it as you lead a certain kind of life right you you try to make your imprint on the world, you try to to leave more than you than you brought i mean I mean David Bowie came from a kind of a dysfunctional family, there's a lot of schizophrenia in his family his half brother mm-hmm. was a big influence on him, and he I think was committed. If I, if I yeah, remember that was. correctly, and Terry, I think was his name. I think he was, you know, had had introduced him to like the Beats and Kerouac and all those people. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he had his own kinds of issues. And I think when we look at art as a way of transcending limitation, as a way of trying to, you know, deal with emotional, let's say, disharmony, then he was able to transmute that emotional disharmony or whatever tendencies he might have had towards psychological kind of funkiness into his art. And, um, you know, it's probably true of all of us, certainly. You know, it's true for me, I think. And um, so you, you use that family dysfunction to try to move forward best you can. So.
1: Yeah, well, you know, being an 80s child, Labyrinth, of course, is probably my favorite piece of work that he did, period. Because that character, the Goblin King, was just so stellar. And... It was always, okay, that's cool. I mean, he's supposed to be a bad guy, but he's, like, too cool. So you like him better than you do the other people because he's just that cool. I mean, he really played off that character very well. And, you know, about in that same time would be when his Last Dance album came out, which brought, you know, David Bowie probably out of my peripheral vision and into the forefront for me because... That would have been my budding years right there. And and so here was this really fun album that had Last Dance on it, it had, you know, China Girl on it, um, Modern Love, so all these fantastic things came out. Uh, Again, as he reinvented himself really in that 83 album.
2: Yeah, I mean, he became a pop star. I mean, that that album is really amazing, uh, I think, because it was the beginning of MTV. MTV came along, and, you know, there was a time when, you know, I'm old enough to remember when MTV started, right, and where it played music video. I mean, it really was about music video, and that sort of revolutionized things. And then there became this look, you know, Culture Club and Duran Duran and, and Madonna. There were certain kinds of staples, the bangles of of MTV. So David Bowie had probably been so out there that he wouldn't have ever gone on MTV, you know, in the 70s, but then he comes in and he's little, you know, his little, you know, suits, and he's all stylish, and he's got Stevie Ray Vaughan playing guitar, and and um, he has this album, man, and it's just amazing, right? And he has these huge tours. I remember uh, my girlfriend at the time had been, you know, had just gone to see him when we started dating, and it was like this major, like the Rolling Stones, and it was just a, a huge tour. So within that, you know, if you look at the 70s, Every couple of years, he's like somebody brand spanking new, right? And here he is in the early 80s, and he's all Mr. Pop Star. Well, I mean, that is amazing, right? I mean, it's amazing to me that he had been so boundary-pushing, envelope-shredding, yet here he is, major pop star. Like, you could take, like, an 8-year-old to go see him. You know, just 10 years after Ziggy Stardust blew everything up. You know, so what do you really do with that? Again, an amazing artist. Um, I mean we're probably not doing him justice but uh, he impacted so many people and again I think that there's a religious context I think as we start to go back and the thing I think is also fascinating with, with his entire body of work is this last album especially when you look at it that he knew about he was dying and, he, and it comes out as he's dying and, and uh you go back and analyze that, then you say, oh, were there hints before? Were there things in other albums, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years back that talk about these same kinds of motifs? And I, I think it's going to be amazing. It's just going to be amazing. Yeah, People are going to be studying um, this album for 1,000 years. As far as let's
1: play another clip of uh, David. And this one was actually a pretty talked about video, uh, which is China Girl. So we'll see if it starts immediately or if it, if it's coming from beyond again.
2: Well, the blonde top woman has issues, (laughs) so (laughs) let's see.
1: I remember this video was really very impacting when it came out It has a lot to say
2: you know, that's one of my very favorite Bowie songs i mean my my probably my favorite is Suffragette City. you know I play that in twenty million times and all these different covers of it but China girl kind of different thing, but it's maybe my second favorite, Bowie. Like, I always loved that song. There's something very transcendent, magical about that. That whole album is totally different. Cat people, is, you know, putting out fire and gasoline. I mean, it's an amazing album. But but again, when you start looking at, y- you know, the, the subtext of it, I mean, that, that's the thing that makes that art and death and all of it kind of go, is that um, he, he's able to let you... He creates something so transcendent that you're able to bring your own thing to it and find something in it you know he's not he's not making it just one size that you have to come to him and and but he's making it so that you can bring yourself into it and kind of commingle with it That's again one of the fascinating things about him and like his albums in the seventies, I remember when I was you know in you, you know, high school and and in, starting college, everything was totally different you're like, dude, where's this coming from? I don't know you know I mean, but he was just like every every album was like a whole new experience. You know how many people like a and r people want you to be one thing you know forever can you just go in and totally reinvent the wheel every time and still be super popular that also is is an indication of just how much of a genius he really was
0: and then you could see him yeah. on the Christmas Christmas with Bing Crosby creating another unforgettable moment in in this. Uh, Really classic settings, that drummer boy and and Peace on Earth, incredible, just incredible. I I mean, it seems like there's nothing when he tackles that he couldn't do and make it an unforgettable work of art.
1: I agree, I agree. Now, you know, we kind of titled the show David Bowie and Beyond. I would, I would like to think that David's legacy here will continue, but I believe that. You know, maybe he was our star man. Maybe he was just here visiting, leaving us some messages and now he's moved on.
2: Yeah, but that that gets into a whole new existential, you know, breadcrumb trail to who knows where when you start talking like that because you can say that about so many people, right? You know, and that again, well, I think This is why we
1: have you, Andrew.
2: Well, I mean, as well, I mean, I think you know you have to look at Anyone who's, li- anyone who's alive, you, me, you know, all all of us, you know, anyone that's listening, all artists, all people. Period. You know, we're trying to make some kind of statement about who we are. We're trying to find love. We're trying to find some experience, God, or who, whatever we're trying to find, and and hopefully, we leave this earth doing something that is that lives on past us know, whether we've created a child or we've created a work of art or we've done something nice in the community or we've just been a good person, you know, helped grandma across the street. We've done something that's beautiful, that's magical, that's that's helpful. And so some people on a scale you think, okay, he comes in and has an impact on all these millions of people. Uh but but the rest of us can do something, and maybe we don't impact as many, but we still have an impact. And so so I think the beauty of life really is that we, we find a way to to get in touch with what's, what's true, you know. And, and he spoke a lot of truth, but the irony to that is that nobody knows exactly what that truth is, and that's the fascinating part of it. He's speaking the truth, but what is he saying? And that's where he gets into, like, you know, down the rabbit
1: hole you know, go. A, a lot of artists' lyrics are, you know, they're fun, they're catchy, but David gave us album after album of lyrics that, if you really look at them, make you think. I mean, he's entertaining us, but he's also making us think. I mean, even, you know, the, the, the China girl, or the visions of swastikas in my head. Um, David was about, I think, making people think without really knowing he was doing it.
0: Well, he also, I mean, from what I understood about him and what I knew about him, uh, he did not shy away from speaking his mind and taking a stand on things that he was very clear on. Uh, I know that he made several statements to the effect that he really was very clearly not uh, identified with organized religion. He didn't feel that that was something that he, he, he felt connected to. He was grappling with uh, whether he was an atheist or whether there, there was an, uh, a being he believed in near the end. Um, when they asked him about what he thought about spirituality, he was, said he was still grappling with the idea, and uh, he was almost there. Um, he also he, he had very firm boundaries about certain things, but he was still searching, I guess, like anybody who is on a journey, who is an artist like he was. Uh, but I, I remember... <laughs> He also made it clear about what he he didn't want to be represented with and what he didn't stand for. I mean, he declined the royal honor of uh, the community, uh, of the order of the British Empire when they wanted to award him. He turned down his knighthood in 2003. Mm -hmm. I remember the the statement he made very clearly, I would never have any intention of accepting anything like that. I seriously don't know what it's for. It's not what I spent my life working for. So there were certain things that he really was clear about what he wasn't working for. As far as the spirituality goes, I think that was something he was still searching with. He was still grappling with. Um, but his artistry was, was what really guided him. I, I don't know what the final resolution was for him, but He he, but he definitely made it clear. I, I didn't see him as having any affiliation with organized religion at all.
1: No, I don't think he did either, from from my knowledge that he did. But, you know, he there were people that he liked that maybe other people thought were, were bad, and he really didn't see it that way. I think he was very, like I said, again, open to many things. It was like he started out that way, just. That your well I mean, I think
2: a lot of spiritual people right candy are are kind of syncretic. they steal from a lot of different places. I used to always joke mine was a mixture of the Sufis and Russian Orthodox and the powerpuff girls. I mean that was what I used to always say. It was my religion is kind of <laughs> religion, you know it's all thrown together you know you know uh, uh, uh. Chem X or whatever the thing was that the Powerpuff girls had. you know I mean so um so as an artist, he's got to be touching religion. You have got a lot of themes that are religious, but is there is there like maybe the three of us? Maybe we struggle. To, I just had this conversation the other day, right? You know, you struggle to find some sort of formal thing that will like any club that will have you. It's like a br- bad Marx Brothers skit for me trying to find a religion, right? Because you know I'm a I'm a psychic. Well, that means I talk to the devil. I believe in reincarnation. Well, nobody likes that. And, You know, I'm I'm very liberal, and, you know, I'm, uh, so I blow up a lot of the stereotypes of of things, and so, but yet I'm I'm super motivated and curious about, there's got to be some truth in it someplace, you know, or is there a truth in it? I want to find it. Is that in Christianity? Is that in Islam, Judaism, Hinduism? Is it in magic? Is it... And you know any new agey thing you can find, you know astrology- i mean so he's going down the same path he's looking and a lot of us and this you two may have had the same thing, it probably didn't have the same thing I mean candy, you're a writer, you know uh you mm-hmm. look at other artists as a way to find religion, that's why there's all these that's why academics have careers is they are trying to understand you know, what this artist was actually saying. Did he ha he or she have some connection to God that we don't have and he had to speak in code like because nobody would let him tell the truth, right? You know, or let her tell the truth. You know, so right. um, you know, all these all the great poets, you know, the romantics and on well, you know, I mean the Greeks. I mean it's me, crazy.
1: To me the people that scream the loudest, I'm the one. oh I'm the only one that's an expert on this, I'm the only one that knows that are usually the people that don't know anything. And the ones that go honestly, I'm still searching. Those are the ones that kind of know more because they're open to learn more.
2: Well, I mean, don't you think that that being open is what it's about in a lot of respects? You know, that so many people, I mean, I think that's kind of a cultural issue we have right now. So many people are closed-minded. They come from fear. If we could just be open and embrace diversity—I'm getting editorial here—but the diversity and open to embrace different schools of thought, we might expand our horizons rather than to try to make everything shrink down to some tiny thing you can stick in a stamp and you know, you know, carry with you. Uh, life's big, you know, and David lived big. A lot of rock stars live big, and. Um, right. You know, I and mean, then one you say, I kind of do that. You know, I have my own kind of whatever well, persona, or whatever that is, and, and, because I'm trying to with, be expansive, you know, and 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 then place yeah, things right. and not be restricted.
1: Well, the problem with almost every organized religion that I know, regardless of what it is, is um, they for God in a box. This is what this is. These are the parameters of what I believe,
2: right. and this is the only thing that's allowed to happen. Well, that's kind of a limiting way to live. And the thing is, I always say this about when people try to measure psychic ability: go. If all you have is a ruler and a thermometer, you think how long something is and how hot it is is what defines it, right? So your diagnostic tools determine what you look for, and it determines the way you describe it because those are the only things you have to measure. So if we have a limited sensory awareness. Um, and we only use common sense, which is just ridiculous, right? If we only use common sense to find it, then we're not going to get very far, right? Um, right. Nobody knows. Like, you know, as a psychic, if I make a prediction, you can measure it. It happens, it doesn't happen. I start talking about reincarnation, there's no way to measure it. It's totally subjective, you know. You have to say, does it, if it's psychologically relevant, But there's no way to say it. absolutely It's a theory, right? Everybody has a theory. There is no... The Bible... Everybody's got a different interpretation of the Bible, so the Bible doesn't tell us the definitive answer. Right. Even if we think about... um,
1: Even if we think about reincarnation for a moment, I, I think that the souls that shine the brightest, so to speak not necessarily better, but but the brightest, I believe that they return, and I, they keep returning.
2: Well, I mean, I, I, I think, they I think keep... that absolutely. I've talked about this over and over and over. Musicians are their own unique energy. More than any other group, musicians have a very distinct aura, a very distinct energy pattern. I've written in the past about... Reinc- Here, here's a fun one. I wrote a thing about reincarnated uh, singers, female singers, and I've written this whole thing about the reincarnation of Buddy Holly and uh, I can talk about that if you want but out of all the singers that are out there who do you think I think is the one that has the most sort of karmic trail the the one that's sort of the most karmically gifted Cause, and I see her as an opera singer over and over and over and over she's a big pop star an amazing singer
1: um Celine Dion.
2: No, Joe, you want to try? I was going to go
1: Elvis, so you said girl.
2: <laughs> it's a girl. It's a girl. Whatever. It's not Elvis. Honey, it's somebody else. It's you got um, me. Pardon me. You got me. You Christina Aguilera. So when I look at ah. Christina, I, I see a trail into the ethers of musicians. Uh, there are a lot of musicians that have that. But when I look at Christine Aguilera, uh, I see her as an opera singer over and over and over. She's she's constantly doing this. Warren Hill is another one that really jumps out. Jill Scott, there's a few of them. Um when I was and I'll say this story real fast, it's got nothing to do with David Bowie, but it's got something to do with the idea of reincarnation to musicians. In the early eighties, uh, back before there was an you know, internet, uh I heard this song on the radio and I'd never heard it before, brand new artist. And in my living room, I see, as plain as day, in my plain as day, in the way I see things, Buddy Holly. I'm like, what the hell, is Buddy Holly in my living room? Like, so I see this big holographic Buddy Holly's there. The song ends, poof, no more. Buddy Holly. Next time I hear the song, comes on the radio, I look up, who's standing in front of me? But there's a vision of Buddy Holly. So the song is like a hit. Then it goes, you know, hits come and go, it goes off. And then I hear this other new song. I've heard this song before. It's totally me different than the one before, but lo and behold, Buddy Holly again. Well, this is back when you really couldn't look stuff up. There wasn't a Wikipedia, there wasn't an the Internet. This is back in the early 80s. And I speculated that this dude on the radio was Buddy Holly, that he was a reincarnation of Buddy Holly. And it doesn't normally work this way, but I said, if this guy's Buddy Holly, I bet you he's born nine months after Buddy Holly died. Okay, life goes and does its thing. God creates the internet. God creates Wikipedia. I go look him up. So Buddy Holly was killed in a plane. Cr- I mean, Buddy Holly was killed in a plane crash on February the third, nineteen fifty nine. This boy I'm here on the radio was born on November the fifth, nineteen fifty nine. Nine months and two days. After Buddy Holly died, right? And and if you look at photos of them, it's kind of kind of interesting. So you may have—I mean, I've—I've I've said this ten zillion times, but do you know who I think is the? Re- and I've talked to other people that have known Buddy Holly, and they're sort of interested in this whole theory. You know, uh, that who I think is the reincarnation of Buddy Holly, literally. I don't. Joe, you want to try?
0: Joe, <laughs> this, is, this is out of my realm of uh,
2: being able to <laughs> Okay, so I want you to go look. I want you to go look at pictures of Buddy Holly, and I want you to look at pictures of Brian Adams. Brian Adams. Oh wow! I believe I believe that Brian Adams is literally, literally the reincarnation of Buddy Holly. Okay.
1: I love Brian Adams.
2: Yeah, and so if you look at Brian Adams' most recent video, he has it even talk about a, kind of a Buddy Holly influence. I just love this, right? But it, but if you look at certain pictures of them, it's kind of freaky, right? You know, because you think of Buddy Holly glasses and Brian Adams is different. But if you look at pictures of them, certain angles, they look a lot alike. But we're getting back to the idea that musicians in a lot of respects come back as musicians, which is not typically the norm. I think there is there is a, a, an energy and style to them that's very unique. And David Bowie is certainly unique. I written not long ago that I expected us not too long from now to find Amy Winehouse, another very transcendent kind of musician, uh, show up again. And um in a, in a way, a style very similar to Amy Winehouse, right? So uh, kind of looking the same and doing the same. And So it would be, it'd be curious if there's a David Bowie, Jr. that shows up here in 15, 20 years, you know, 30 years. Right. But, so that's my speech for that.
1: <laughs> uh, so now you know I'm on Google looking at pictures of them, right? <laughs>
2: Crazy, isn't it? I mean...
1: Oh, and I find find the
2: reincarnation of Buddy
1: Holly by Andrew Brewer.
2: Da! Well, yeah, and if you go look at that, if you go look at that and look at the pictures on it...
1: That's what what I'm doing right now is looking at the
2: the pictures, so... And you look at the side-by-sides. It's freaky, isn't it? I mean, seriously.
1: Yeah, it kind of is. It's very cool.
2: So, so yeah, so, so I do think that there is a kind of a... Now, do I know that Buddy Holly is reincarnated as Brian Adams? No. Do I think so? Yes. Can I build a kind of elaborate case why? And Andy Land, yes. But does that mean anything? Who well, knows, you know? Um But musicians she are different. They have a reincarnation different of
0: May
1: West. Pardon me? I said Candy wants to be the reincarnation of May West.
2: There you go. There you go. <laughs> Well,
1: both curvy girls I, I was blonde although in I'm really rocking the blue now
2: in theory I'm the reincarnation of an actress which is a fascinating thing to me because somebody else actually some other psychics pointed this out to me and I was kind of didn't agree with at first because it was like super pretty but she was in a movie with W.C. Fields actually you know, it's kind of a big movie with W.C. Fields in a lot of ways it's her biggest film so um there's a very famous, you know, scene where he's doing this thing as a golfer and she's in it. Adrian Ames, and you know, Adrian Ames was like God is beautiful. And I don't think of myself as God is beautiful, but uh, there's a, a man by the name of Adrian, Dr. Adrian Finkelstein, and and he had written this book about the reincarnation of Jean Harlow. And the that was the reincarnation of Jean Harlow became a friend of mine, and she's a psychic, and she kept telling me this stuff. Other people, and I'd said, you know, I thought it was an actress, an actor, and then. I'd or morphed into and we could never really find it. And, and she kept kind of going, this, 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 and this. And I said, is it her? She goes, yeah. I go, oh my God, she's too pretty. So anyway, they did like, they were trying to do like a facial analysis, and they said that my facial structure was so much like hers that they had considered doing a formal, you know, like an FBI-ish kind of like facial analysis to prove that my face and hers were structurally you know, how many points are, you know, like and the same. Right. And if you looked at, if I had pictures of me when I was 25 and if I was in drag, I would look like Adrian Ames. So, there you
1: go. No, well, now we have another show. Who is Andrew in drag? I mean, no. <laughs> there
2: we go. There we go. <laughs> I'm not
1: sure that I look like any of my reincarnations. I mean,
2: I think you do. I mean, I think that people so, do. Again, sorry, David, I think I'm going to get off the,
1: topic here for a second, but the life that well, I remember. Well, yeah, but I
2: mean, it, it's part, is it of. Is part of the topic because, I mean, it's part of right. transcendence. It's part of 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 what he brings to the table. He He's, right. he's opening people up to these types of questions, right? And, and life and death and what it means and where we go mm-hmm. and, you know, is he in heaven and how to get there? And if he's in heaven, how come he's making videos? I mean, you know, all those kinds of questions, right? But I do think that there is a kind of a stylistic – I mean, I think you look at past lives, there's probably some things that are very similar, physically very similar too.
0: You
1: know have to talk about this sometime because I think that in this lifetime, for some reason, I chose to live different because I feel like when I remember my other lives, there were certain features that were the same when I was female and certain features that were the same when I was
2: male. Well, I mean, I, I, I think, well, again, you know, everybody has their own theory, and... Well, no, the, this is just of
1: my recollection. You know, I haven't remembered everything, and you, I'm still on that search you sent me on, so, you know, there's still lots of things to uncover.
2: That's good, that's good.
1: Andrew sent me on a search like a year ago, and I'm still searching for my my past life person from that era, so...
2: So uh, I hope that we've done David justice in some way, and um, certainly we have an admiration and appreciation of his artistry and his life and uh, what he's left all of us. And I want to thank you, too, for inviting me and letting me just kind of ramble. Um, thank you.
1: Well, we love it when you come to our show and
0: ramble.
2: Thank you, thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think the bottom line, for, at least for me, uh, with any of these great figures, these iconic figures, His journey was really uh, cut short, uh, but in the time he was here, uh, the legacy he left, whatever anyone believes, it it, it goes on and it challenges us to do what he did, which maybe was something that he could leave with a sense of peace. It challenges us to always question and and to push boundaries uh, when we start to explore his work. Uh, So even though he left kind of without being able to finish some of the things he might have wanted to do if he'd been here longer, he leaves us with that legacy to to look at what he did and still push forward to challenge things and to grow and to question and to look at boundaries the way that he did. He did it through his artistry, but there's so many ways we can do it, whether it's discussing anything that that allows someone to push the envelope and to, to explore beyond what they think their limits are. That's what David Bowie in in, in many ways represents to me yeah Yeah, I
1: agree
0: absolutely beautiful Uh,
1: well let's end the show with that and after I say we say goodbye I'm going to um play Under Pressure, the very ending of the song for everybody. Uh, Another great artist that we lost early, uh, you know, Freddie Mercury. So, thank you so much, both of you, for being on the show with me tonight and for talking about David and for just, you know, paying our respects to him. And thank you, everybody that's listening today, everybody that's been in the chat room. I really appreciate you, and we will see you next Wednesday with a new topic. So, good night, everybody.
2: Good night, everybody. Thank you.
0: you. Good night. Thank Thank you.